we're in a rock group semester. We're going through this book called Win the Day. Um, fantastic uh, teaching from Mark Batterson. Just a great opportunity to connect, to talk, to, to you know, just to make relationship connections. So, uh, you know, winning the day. It's about filling your day with things that move you in the direction you want to go, right? It's about removing things out of your life uh, that aren't taking you to where you would want to go in life. If you string enough winning days together, you start to win in life. But if you start stringing together days that are unthought about, uh, days that are, that are sloppy, uh, it, you end up with a sloppy life. Uh, and so this idea of learning how to say, how can I win this day? How can I win, which turns into this week, which turns into this month, which turns into this year? And, and what I don't want us to, to get confused about is the idea that we would feel like we've got to cram a bunch of stuff into our day, put a million things in there, utilize every second, and make sure that we never waste a moment. But I do think it is important to understand your season and be intentional about what happens in your day. Uh, if you've got babies in the house, you're going to plan your day different than if you don't have babies in the house, right? If your work schedule calls for you to do something, uh, have a schedule that you've got to figure out how to work with the season that you're in uh, right now. I love being in the grandparent season, uh, which means I get to enjoy my grandkids and then send them home and go to sleep when I want to go to sleep. I love it. It's fantastic. But I spent days, and Suzette and I both spent days, where we were up in the middle of the night with kids and up early getting them to school and the whole bit, and praise God, we're past that now. You don't have to fill every minute with something, but you got to make sure you are putting the big rocks in the jar first. And... Uh, you got to determine what's, what, what's most important to you uh, and make sure that those things go in first. So the, the title of the message today is Eat the Frog. Everybody say, Eat the Frog. Eat the Frog is uh, taken really off of an idea, uh, a quote that's attributed to Mark Twain, uh, and he says, if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning. <laughs> That's, that kind of ruins breakfast, doesn't it? Uh, if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's the grossest analogy. To win the day starts with a mindset. Uh, and if you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. Winning the day is understanding that the way you do small things is the way you do big things. Thank you for amening that. 
Or let me put it this way, the way you do anything is usually the way you do everything. So you know this, the people who are late are always late. The people, <laughs> somebody goes, why did I even come to church today? What, what is this all about? The way you do anything is the way you do everything, and you can learn to win your day by learning to win in small ways, which takes you to big ways. Uh, I've always loved this uh, idea that Jesus taught us, Luke 16, verse 10. He says, he who's faithful in a very little thing is, uh, is faithful also in much. He was unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, then who's going to entrust true riches to you? If you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? I like these ideas uh, because they give us a path that we can walk on. One is, is to recognize you can be faithful in small things. And if you're faithful with small things, you're more than likely going to be faithful with big things. Um, you, can, you can tell the way somebody handles a small task is usually a good indicator of how they'll handle a big task. Uh, it says if you're faithful with unrighteous wealth, then true riches will be given to you. And so true riches to me would mean things like insight and authority spiritually and a sense of purpose in life. The, that would be true riches. And what I, what I can do is show God and say, God, I'm honoring you as the source of everything by bringing a tithe to you. Uh, that's how I can be faithful with unrighteous wealth. But then you can release, release true riches to me, give me insights that could cause me to go way farther than I would ever go myself. And this is, that's what Jesus teaches us, right? He says, if you're faithful in that which belongs to another, because ultimately none of it is owned by us. Uh, it, you got to look at all of life as a stewardship. So, every, so if you work somewhere, you got to honor where you work, right? And, and even, if you, even if you have your own company, you ultimately are serving your customers anyway. You're serving somebody else. All of us are serving somebody else or we're losing. So if you be faithful with what you have, you're more likely to be faithful with what you get. Jesus over and over gives us these parables of uh, if the guy is entrusted with a mina and a, a, you know, a cur a, an amount of financial resource, turns it into something more, and because he was faithful with a small thing, he gets, he gets entrusted with a bigger thing. Small wins uh, accumulate into big gains. And if you're going to learn to win the day, if, is you're going to have to start to understand that idea because I think what happens for some people is they go, I'm going to, you know, they read a book about prayer and then they, you know, they heard that um, whatever, you know, John Wesley got up at 4.30 to pray. Well, understanding there's no electricity when John Wesley was around and uh, he, you know, he had basically had to go to bed when the lights, when the, you know, sun went down 
And here he is up at 430. And so people start out with that, and they don't understand, if I would just start where I am, if I would just take a step, then I could later take another step, then I could later take another step, I could learn how to win the day. There's a, a, a British uh, cycling coach that was put in charge of helping the British cycling team hopefully win the Tour de France, which had not happened in over 100 years. A guy named David uh, Brasford, Brailsford, um, he believed in a concept called the aggregation of marginal gains. It's the idea that a 1% margin of increase or improvement in everything you do ultimately starts to add up. And so what, what he did was his belief was that if he improved things just 1% at a time for the guys on his cycling team, it would ultimately bring them to remarkable improvements. And in fact, it did under his leadership, the team won the Tour de France. I like what Mark Batterson says. He says, you, you cannot plan for Pentecost, but you can prepare for Pentecost. You know, how do you do that? By praying in an upper room for 10 days in a row. You can prepare yourself for God to do something great. If you do the right thing day in, day out, day in, day out, you eventually unleash the day of Pentecost. <laughs> you, amen. You eventually unleash the power of of winning the day. Ephesians chapter 5, this is a, this, the things I'm talking about today, I have thought long and hard about these for years. So Ephesians 5 verse 15 says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says, be careful with the way you walk. The, the idea means to actually look carefully at what you're doing and how you're spending your time. Most of us have a tendency to fool ourselves with intentions. We, you know, we, we, we think uh, we have a good intention, but the truth is, if we were to actually to look at our, the way we spend our time, we, maybe our time use doesn't really line up with the intention that we have. So we could say, my relationship with God is an important thing to me, but do we spend any time on that? Do we, do we really spend time in prayer? Do we really spend time in the Word? We could say, my family is important to me, but how much of our actual real time goes into that? We could say growing as a person or becoming you know, more fit or whatever is important to us, but ultimately what happens for a lot of us is we have the intention for these things but it's just an intention until we actually learn how to spend time. Until we spend time on it, until we take some of our time that's allotted to us in life, it remains intention. It remains undeveloped in our life. 
That's why the Bible says, look carefully at what you're doing. My intention is I want a great walk with God. My intention is I want a great marriage. My intention is I want a, a healthy family. My intention is, uh, you know, I, I, I want to improve in this area or that area. And all of us have different capacities in terms of our gifting, but we all have been given exactly the same amount of time, right? And I, I want to say something that I think is important just because we need to wake up to ourselves to say I don't have time as a lie that we're telling ourselves, <laughs> you know? It, it would be more accurate to say this is how I've chosen to spend my time. That would be, that would be the, the, the truth. So how many of you know it's, it's easy to waste time? Come on, right? Uh, you can waste time or you can spend time. And how you spend your time sets the direction of your life. So not intention, but the actual time that we put into what we're doing. And I, I think one way we can look at it is look at the amount of hours we have as dollar bills, if, if you would, uh, just to get an idea. Everybody in this room is today given $24 bills to spend, uh, $168 bills to spend in a week, $720 to spend in a month, $8,760 in a year. And the Bible, the Bible says, make the most of your time. In other words, to buy up, to, to rescue your time from loss. Here's what I find about time. Time has a tendency to want to get away from us, right? You know, uh, the, the, this passage says, because the days are evil, <laughs> which, which says to me, weeds grow in the garden without much cultivation, you can waste a lot of time watching stuff on TV, surfing on social media, just all kinds of ways that, that you, can, you can take your time and instead of spending it on your purpose, you end up wasting it. The tendency for all of us, I mean, this is the human tendency. The tendency is toward wasting time, right? And, and it requires a choice to spend time on purpose. Some of your time needs to be spent on purpose, on, on your purpose, for your purpose, specifically on purpose. So if, if your relationship with God is important to you, and you wouldn't be here, uh, you wouldn't be watching if it's not, then we got to take a step back and go, I've got 168 hours this week. If I can't give four of those hours or seven of those hours to my relationship with God, then is it really important or do I just have an intention? If... If your relationship with your wife 
is important to you? Have you gone 720 hours, that's a whole month, without spending any real time? Hello? Like alone, just you and her investing in the relationship. You can say your marriage is important to you, but it can just be an intention. I know, I know what I'm preaching isn't fun, <laughs> except if you do, if you get on the right side of it. So if you have a dream, if you have a vision for your future, well, how many of the last 720 hours have you spent on developing yourself for that? How many of, how many of the last 8,760 hours have you spent? Like, you've had this dream, and you've had it for one year, two years, three years. It could a whole year go by without us spending. So it all comes down to you got to eat the frog today, right? Today, right? I'm not one of those kind of guys that, that is, you got to cram busyness into every day and account for every 15 minutes on your calendar and make sure every minute is productive. But what I am talking about, and I remember one time I was, I was on staff of this church in uh, Tallahassee, and our pastor was trying to see what was going on, and he wanted me to write down what I was doing every 15 minutes. Well, it took me five minutes of the 15 to think about it and write it down. It's kind of a waste of time, to be honest. But what I'm talking about is spending some of the hours that you have on your purpose. And you can start small, but then you can learn to grow in that. So. Some of, some of our hours are just spent on necessity in life, right? You know, it's like sleeping. You got to sleep. Eating. You got to eat. Waiting for everybody else in your family to get ready to go. You got to do that. But to literally plan time to, to think, to dream for recreation, for prayer, saying I've got these hours and if I'm really looking carefully, I'm probably wasting a few of these. And I could take a couple of them and aim them toward the sense of purpose that I have for my life. That's why he says understanding what the will of the Lord is. Before you can know how to spend your hours, you have to know how you want to spend your life. Uh, another way I think we can look at it is this, establish the compass before you set the clock. In other words, decide the direction and then start to plan your hours going in that direction. What do you want to do with your life? What does God want you to do with your life? You know, what, what do you want written on your tombstone? <laughs> he surfed a lot of Facebook. 
Once, once you get an idea of what your purpose in life is, then you can spend time on that purpose. And even if you don't absolutely know your life purpose, you can still pursue what you know to be the will of God for your life right now. Amen. And as you go after it, more understanding gets released to you. To win the day means to start the day right. To win the day usually means you're going to have to learn how to win the morning. How you start your day sets the tone for the rest of your day. If you think about it, if, you, if you're barely up and you're barely making it out of the house and you're in a frenzy, that usually means the tone of the rest of your day is a bit of a frenzy. Come on. And a lot of people don't even give any thought to the morning other than how, what's the latest I can sleep? How many times can I hit the snooze before I get out of the house? And Mark Batterson says consistency beats intensity seven days a week. Learning how to win the morning. And you might say, I'm not a morning person. I, I, <laughs> I get it. But don't fool yourself. Learning how to win the morning will work wonders for your life. And I want to say winning the morning usually starts with winning the evening. The, your morning routine doesn't start in the morning. It actually starts in the evening. That's why when the Bible says the first day there was evening, there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the second day. It actually starts later in the, de you know, in the evening to get yourself ready for the next day. Because that's when you learn how to work from rest rather than having to rest from your work. So, uh, Luke chapter 10, one of my favorite Bible stories, is, uh, is Jesus with Mary and Martha. It says, Luke 10 verse 38, as they were traveling along, he entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus said, only one thing is necessary. A lot of stuff is important, but one thing is necessary. All of us live, I would say, full, busy lives, but I'm going to encourage you to make a mind shift 
and by this idea that Jesus gives us. Only one thing is necessary. If I'm going to win the day, win the week, win the month, win the year, win the life, the frog, <coughs> excuse me, I've got to eat, is, <laughs> there you go, perfect, huh? <clears> oh, <throat> frog, my throat. Thank you, just keep on clapping, I'm going to drink some water. Positioning yourself every day to hear a word from Jesus is what's absolutely necessary. Your family time is important. Your hobbies are important. Your work is important. There's a lot of important things in life. But I'm suggesting to us this is the frog we all have to learn to eat. This is, this is the big rock that we've got to get in place in, in terms of our, our time, our schedule, our priority, that we absolutely must make this happen in our life. Seek first the kingdom of God and God will see to it that all the things you need will be added to you. Let me, let me ask you to look at it this way. One thing is necessary. Each day, you've, you've won the day if you've sat at the feet of Jesus. You've lost the day if you haven't. It's not legalism. It's about tuning into heaven. At your day can be counted as a victory if at some point in the day you chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. I just want to say over time, this is going to give you victory in every area of your life and not just your religious life because Jesus has something to say that's absolutely necessary. He wants to talk to you about your family. He wants, God, God's word wants to speak to you about your kids, your finances, your job, the things that you're processing. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. A, a word from God from sitting at the feet of Jesus is gonna bring life to you. You have to make a choice. He's, this is what Jesus said about Mary. Mary has chosen. You're not gonna find time. You have to make time for this. I'm gonna say that this is so important for your life that it would be worthwhile to look at your soul schedule and go, what could I delete so that I could create space for this? And you may start with 10 minutes, you may start with 15 minutes, it might grow to half an hour, it might grow to an hour, but 
I'm encouraging you to eat this frog. <laughs> and and I, I could just say to you, if you will commit to this on a daily basis, you're going to see some incredible things start to happen in your life. You can't, you can't keep adding more stuff to your schedule. At some point, you have to go, I got to have this. I can't be too busy. I can't be too responsible that I can't spend time sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening for his word. He said that she chose the good part that will not be taken away from her. See, I, I think we keep thinking life requires us to do more. Like, how, do, how am I going to make life work? I got to do more. But God wants to say to us, I'm not calling on you to do more. If you will cause the priority of your heart to be fixed on devotion to Jesus, he can do more in your life than you could ever do trying to wrestle it down yourself. Could I encourage you to get focused on worship and adoration and obsession with hanging out with Jesus, listening to the Holy Spirit? How about this? How about let God be God and I'll just be a worshiper of God? How about recognizing he is, I am, I am not, but he is. So I'm just going to focus on worship. I'm going to focus on listening. I'm going to focus on extravagant devotion to the Lord. And then I'm going to let God be God in my life. Come on. If, you, if you're going to eat any frogs, you got to eat this frog. Amen. I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads, please, and would you close your eyes? Father, we come before you today, and we really do buy the idea that Jesus taught us. Only one thing is necessary. We're choosing that for our life. I'm praying for every person in this room. God, that you will give us a fresh place in our soul where we are coming to sit at the feet of Jesus to hear the words of life, words of hope, the words of growth, the words of comfort, the words of grace that we all need for life and godliness. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just want to take this moment. Maybe you're here today, and the truth is, you really have never surrendered your life to Jesus. I mean, you've, you've never come to that place where you've just fully submitted to his love and to his lordship. I, I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today, and you used to be close to God, but you're not now you know it's time for you to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand with God. 
I would just love to pray with you. Nobody's looking around. We're just in a moment of prayer. But if you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I know I need to surrender to Jesus or I need to come back home. Or I just, I wanna know for sure I'm right with God. Would you pray with me? Just lift your hand real high and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? I know I need God in my life. I know I need to come back to him. I know I wanna be sure I'm right with God. God bless you. Come on, anybody else? Just in a moment, this isn't a call to say, get your, get your act together. It's a call to say, would you surrender? Anybody else? Hey, let's pray this prayer together. Everybody say this out loud. This is for those who lifted their hand, but I just want to pray this prayer. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I've messed up, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.